Well, good morning, everyone. Please take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 1, John's Gospel chapter 1. You know, I almost said the word Genesis because we were there for a year and a half. So, no, we're in John chapter 1 today, starting in verse 35. It's a little hot, Greg. I feel a little reverb up here. Thank you, sir. John chapter 1, starting in verse 35 for our reading today to the end of the chapter. John continues his account of Christ. In verse 35, we read, The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You'll see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. May the Lord add his blessing at the hearing and the reading of his word this morning. Well, you can imagine as a pastor, I've heard a lot of stories from individuals about incredible and sometimes horrible situations that have taken place in the lives of people. Like the man who was on the verge of a divorce when he found out his wife was having a torrid affair with the builder of their dream house. Or the woman who was given a venereal disease from her husband because he had been with a prostitute. Or the woman whose husband lost his high-profile position at a car dealership because he was caught with pornography on his work computer. Or the young man who was a drug addict and could not stop abusing cocaine and alcohol and eventually lost his wife along with everything else because of his addiction. Or the former Marine and Moody Bible Institute student who couldn't find love because he couldn't stop drinking and was eventually forced into bankruptcy as he slowly watched his life fall apart. Or the woman who was married to a European businessman and found out that her husband was sleeping with other women from all over Europe. 
Or the couple whose marriage was so bad that she was leaving newspaper ads on the kitchen table with available apartments that her husband could move into. Or the man who was a Wiccan high priest who was leading his young family into the dangers of the occult. Stories of hopelessness, stories of contemplated suicide, stories of moral failure and compromise. But in every case, each one of these people only needed to do one thing that would change everything for them. They all needed to simply follow after Jesus. As we will see today, all of us, we need to follow after Jesus longing for his presence in our lives, aggressively pursuing him, actively abiding in him. We need to take others with us to Jesus, finding others, bringing others, inviting others. We need to put our faith in Jesus. He knows your heart. He knew you before the foundation of the world, and he will show you amazing things. Our message series is That You May Believe. Today, we're looking at the principle, come and see. This gospel written by John the Apostle, the apostle of Jesus Christ, perhaps the very best friend of Jesus during his earthly ministry. Our author is John the Evangelist, one of the 12 disciples, not to be confused with John the Baptist that John writes about here in John 1 and subsequently in John 3. John's overarching purpose in writing his gospel is, see, is seen in John chapter 20, verse 31, where he writes, But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Today, we're going to look at three major spiritual principles related to what it means to come and see who this Jesus really is. But before we study, let's ask God's help. Would you please pray with me? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we just only have a moment here to look to your word, to hear and to see what you have for us. God, help us to drink deeply from your truth, your revelation to us about all that you are to us. And through it, Lord, may we fall all the more in love with your Son, Jesus Christ. So Lord, superintend over our study. Draw us to yourself by the power of your Spirit as we encounter your truth, your word to us. Open our hearts and our minds to receive what you have. We pray all this in your son's wonderful and awesome name. Amen. If you have your sermon notes outlined that you received with the material that you got when you came in today, the first truth is simply this. We need to follow after Jesus. We do. How are you doing? Are you following after him? I hope you are. Let's see some motivation for this. We need to follow after Jesus, first of all, longing for his presence in our lives. Previously, in the previous verses, up to verse 35, John the Baptist has just proclaimed at seeing Jesus, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In verse 35, it says, the next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, again, behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? We need to long for his presence in our lives, just as these two disciples of John now are longing to have Jesus 
in their lives through following after him. I find it interesting in verse 38, it says, what are you seeking? Uh, If you have an NIV Bible, I'm so sorry. I'd like to apologize to you about your NIV. Because what does it say? Jesus turned and said what? Who's got an NIV? What What do you want? What do you want? You want fries with that? You want a burger? You know, that's what it kind of sounds like. And the NIV just kind of loses it for me here. But the NAS and the ESV, what are you seeking? What are you longing for? What do you desire? The Greek word here is zeteo, to seek, to desire, require, to seek in order to find, to demand, to crave. It's not just what do you want? You want fries with that. It's what are you longing for is the idea here. Jesus senses this with these guys. You guys are longing for something. What is it? We find out. They just want to know, where are you going to be? Where are you staying? They're longing for his presence in their lives. Jesus tells us in Matthew 7, 7 and 8, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, the same Greek word. What are you desiring? Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be open. How are you doing? Are you asking? Are you seeking? Are you knocking? And they said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? We just want to be with you. We want to hang out with you. We want to be near you. We want to have access to your presence. I ask you this morning, are you longing for his presence in your life? Are you passionately seeking after him? Seek and you shall find, Jesus says. But not only that, we need to follow after Jesus, aggressively pursuing him. And he said to them, well, come and see. Come and you will see. So they came and and saw where he was staying. Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying. Come and you will see. Come check it out, Jesus says. Come check me out. So what do they do? Are they passive about it? No, they're aggressive. So they came. This is aggressive pursuit as opposed to what we could call passive expectancy. There's this idea, I hope Jesus shows up sometime. We have this mindset of Jesus shows up, maybe I'll follow him. I want to see first, then maybe I'll follow. No, he says, come, then you will see. Matthew 16, verse 24, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? We need to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow after him, aggressively pursuing him. They went, so they came, the text says. Come and you will see. But thirdly here, we need to follow after Jesus, actively abiding in him. And they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. They're staying with him. They are abiding with him. It was getting late in the day. And by the way, it's getting late in this hour. Jesus taught, abide in me and I in you. 
As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do what? Nothing. Thank you for that answer. That's awesome. If anyone does not abide in me, Jesus says, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown to the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, it'll be done for you. We need to abide in him, actively abiding in him. Why? Because the hour is late, just like for these disciples. It's getting late. Revelation 3.20, behold, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and we'll dine with him and he with me. Have you invited him in to abide with you? It's getting late. We're running out of time. Beloved, we need to follow after Jesus, longing for his very presence in our lives, aggressively pursuing him, actively abiding in him. But secondly, this morning, we need to take others with us to Jesus. One of the two, it says in verse 40, one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Beloved, we need to find others. We need to take others with us to Jesus as we are finding others. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He first found his own brother, Simon. Have you ever been amazed by something you've seen, something that's shocking, something that's incredible, awesome, and you want to tell people about it? You've got to see this. And that's exactly what's going on with Andrew. Cephas, Simon, rather, you need to see what I just found out. So he goes to his brother, he finds him, and he says, come check out the Messiah. I think I found the guy. Notice in verse 4, he says, one of the two. One of the two was Andrew. And here we don't really have the name of the other guy. And so who do we think the other guy is? It's John, in all likelihood. John never really refers to himself throughout his whole gospel, except for to refer to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. But in all likelihood, this Friend of Andrew here is John himself. So we have John and Andrew, the first two disciples of Christ. Notice what Andrew does naturally. He goes and finds his own brother, Simon. No church program, no potluck, no pig roast, no special Christmas cantata. He goes and gets him. You get my point. Those things are all nice and everything in the church. I get it. But there's no program. The church hasn't even been born yet. And he goes, you've got to see this. He goes to his brother, you've got to check this out. This is awesome. We have found him. We found the Mashiach, the Messiah, the Christos, the Christ, the promised one, the anointed one, the one who was promised from Genesis chapter 3, who would come and destroy the evil one once and for all. Who do you need to find? Who in your sphere of influence do you need to go talk to even today? Naturally doing so. Finding others. And then secondly, bringing others. It's one thing to find somebody, but then bring them. I triple dog dare you to bring them. 
Verse 42, he brought him to Jesus. So here we go. Brother shows up. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Andrew finds his brother Simon and brings him to Jesus. Again, it's one thing to find someone who needs Jesus. It's another to bring them with you to Jesus. Why? Why should we bring people to Jesus? Because he's awesome. That's why. Jesus is incredible. You want to hang out with Jesus. I'm telling you, you really do. Here, the first time Jesus meets Simon, he gives him a nickname. And unfortunately, we're still, still reading the Bible like uh, we're still reading the old King James Version. We kind of read, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas. I don't think that's how it went. Oh, man, hey, you're, you're the son of John, aren't you? You know what? We're going to start calling you Rocky. You're Rocky. That's what uh, Cephas means. Cephas, Petros, Rocky. Now, here's what I want to know. Is, is Peter like a big guy or a little guy? He's like, Rocky or, hey, Rocky. You know, I don't know. I wasn't there. But you can imagine he's having fun with this guy. Hey, you're Rocky. You're the rock. He's having fun with these guys. There's two other guys. Jesus calls James and John the sons of thunder. What must those guys be like? Hey, the sons of thunder right there. Check those guys out. Jesus is fun to hang out with. You want to be with him. We need to find others. We need to bring others. That means we need to invite others. Inviting others. We need to take others with us to Jesus, inviting people to do so. In verse 43, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. He invites him to follow. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see, come check it out. This is what we should be telling people in our invitation. In verse 43, Jesus personally invites Philip to follow after him. And Philip does, which is remarkable in its own right. In verse 44, we learn that Philip, Andrew, and Peter are all from the same town. These guys all know each other. So this is like this great hometown gang that he, Jesus is putting together. But in verse 45, Philip finds Nathaniel. And of course, Phil talks to him about uh, this place called Nazareth where Jesus is from. And he's like, Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? In other words, this guy knew his Bible. He's flipping through the Old Testament going, I, I don't see anything in here about Nazareth. Why? Because the promised one's supposed to come from where? Bethlehem. He didn't know that, did he? That Jesus was born in Bethlehem. But Philip says, hey, come and see. Come check it out. The invitation is extended. Come see the Messiah, the Mashiach. Again, with more context from Matthew 4, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net of the sea. They were fishermen, and he says to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. 
And I ask you, who do you need to find? Who do you need to bring to Jesus? Who do you need to invite? And maybe you're thinking, well, you know, I've already done that. I invited them. They said no. Well, keep inviting them. Keep asking. If they tell you to stop it, they'll tell you. I had a guy tell me that once. I had a guy said, stop it. Quit, you know, trying to tell me about your Jesus. I don't need your crutch. That's what he said. So I started praying for him. <laughs> As years went by, doors started opening. I never brought it up. He started, it ended up that he starts asking me questions. It was awesome. We had a guy at our church plant who came to Christ. And his life was so transformed. His life was so changed that there were three pews full of Jim's people that he kept inviting. And people wanted to go and find out what happened to Jim. <laughs> he filled up three pews worth of people to see what happened to Jim's life because of Jesus. We need to invite people. We need to find them. We need to talk to them. We need to bring them. We need to invite them. And then watch God do what he does. And now thirdly, beloved, we need to put our faith in Jesus. Now with this encounter with Nathaniel, we get a little more information with what Jesus knows about Nathaniel. But we need to put our faith in Jesus just as Nathaniel needs to. First of all, the reason we should put our faith in him is because he knows our hearts. He knows your heart. In verse 47, it says, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. You see, Jesus knows your heart. He knows who you are. He's always known who you are. Jesus basically says of Nathanael, why, here's an honest Israelite. There he is. Check him out. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature as they were trying to pick the next king because I've rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. See, our Savior knows us. He knows our hearts God knows what's really going on inside each one of us. He knows you better than even you know you. And we go, well, how is this possible? Well, because he made you. He knows you better than you know you. He knows your heart. But not only that, he knew you before the foundation of the world. Now, Jesus is going to say something kind of interesting here. Nathaniel said to him, well, how do you know me? Jesus answers him in verse 48. Well, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And we kind of go, well, what's the big deal with that? Yeah, I saw that guy over there, but he knew he was an Israelite within whom there was no deceit. Or as other versions say, within whom there is no guile. Is that what your text says? I saw you. I know who you are. And how long has Christ known him? Ephesians 1, 3 through 6, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. We did not talk ahead of time, did we, Jeff? 
but he didn't. And it's the same verse you quoted with our opening scripture. That's hilarious. Again, God's doing his thing. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. He knows you. He's always known you. He's known you before the foundation of the world. How do you know me? Well, when you were over the, under the fig tree, I saw you. Psalm 139 tells us, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb, O God. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. What? The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Jesus has known everything about you from the very beginning. He formed you. He chose you. He knows all of your days. He knows your end. Beloved, we need to put our faith in Jesus. He knows your heart. He knew you before the foundation of the world. But lastly, and don't miss this, he will show you amazing things. Notice how Nathaniel's freaked out in verse 49. Rabbi, teacher, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. At which point, Jesus is a little incredulous. You mean because I, I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree? Do you believe? He'll see greater things than these. Nathaniel is completely blown away. Notice his proclamation. You're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. Just because he saw you under the fig tree and knew you beforehand? Really? You believe because I said that I saw you under the fig tree? You'll see greater things than these. At which point in verse 51, Jesus drops this huge bombshell. Don't miss it. Here it comes. What's he say in 51? And Jesus said to him, truly, truly, in the Greek there, it's amen, amen. So be it, so be it. This is the way it is. This is the way it is. Here it comes, here it comes. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now remember, we know about Nathaniel's that he's a man of the book because he's like, Nazareth? There's nothing in here on Nazareth. And the minute Jesus says this phrase to him, you can imagine Nathaniel's going, what? Why is he responding that way? Why would Nathaniel be further freaked out? Because Jesus says, I'm gonna see heaven opened and angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Does anybody know where in the world that comes from or what that's about? Who knows? What's it about? Jacob's ladder. Genesis 28, 12. Jacob dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were what? Ascending and descending on it. Jacob speaks of a ladder. 
where angels are ascending and descending. Jesus says of himself, and the angels of God, the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. What does that make Jesus? It makes him the ladder itself. Jacob just saw the ladder and angels going up and down on it. Jesus says, I am the ladder. I am the way. Jesus said to them in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What kind of amazing things? You're going to see me as the way. That's what you're going to see, Nathaniel. You think you're freaked out a little bit because I knew you while you're standing under the fig tree? You're going to see more amazing things than this. And we ask ourselves, well, what kind of amazing things? Well, in the future, we're going to see the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the dead rise again, and Jesus himself rising from the dead, right? And in my own life, my own ministry over the years, after all the stories I told you at the very beginning, I too have seen God do amazing things. I've seen the lost saved. I've seen marriages healed. I've seen relationships restored. I've seen the sick made well. I've seen sick sin overcome. I've seen hope restored, depression, anxiety overcome, alcohol and substance abuse removed, lust and depravity exposed and conquered, purpose and meaning revived, darkness overcome and love overflowing, hearts bound up and the hurting comforted. I know the best is yet to come. The man who was on the verge of a divorce with the wife who had had a torrid affair, God reconciled that marriage. The guy who ended up giving his wife a venereal disease, God reconciled that marriage. That was probably the most incredible reconciliation I've ever seen in my life. The guy who lost his job because of pornography, God restored that marriage. Young drug addict who is abusing cocaine, I've just, within the last year or so, this God has changed this man's life. It is absolutely amazing. Gave him a new family, a new life. A former Marine, Moody Bible Institute student, this man, even right now, this guy was forced into bankruptcy. God is in the process of blessing this young man beyond measure. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Story after story after story of God doing amazing things through people who are determined to come and see, to follow after him. Beloved, we need to follow after Jesus longing for his presence in our lives, aggressively pursuing him, actively abiding in him. We need to take others with us to Jesus, finding others, bringing others, inviting others. I'd like to remind you, somebody invited you once. Someone brought you once. Someone found you. We need to put our faith in Christ. He knows your heart. He knew you before the foundation of the world. He will show you amazing things if we'll just be brave enough to trust him. Would you please stand with me as we close our service today? Our gracious Heavenly Father, I've seen your handiwork all over the place and who you are and what you can do. 
whether it's in all that you've created, this incredible world that we're in, or the hearts and lives of people who are devoted to you. In every case, in every example, the couples I've described, when the two of them would follow after you, everything was made new. The relationship was reconciled and beautiful things took place. Peace, harmony, joy was returned. The years that the locust had eaten had been restored by your sheer grace. Lord, I just think about the one couple who the wife was leaving ads out for him to find to go live somewhere else. Lord, they're now serving in full-time ministry at a church. He's preaching the gospel this morning. That blows my mind with what you can do, story after story after story. Oh, God, that we would come and see, that we'd check you out, that we'd linger a little bit longer with you, abiding in you, because the time is short. We're coming to the end of things. So, Lord, give us wisdom. Give us insight clarity, motivation. May we seek you and pursue you with all due diligence as we know you are drawing us to yourself by your sheer grace. Oh God, have your way with us, with each one in this room. Lord, you know the hearts before us. You know what each one needs. Oh Lord, may we invite you in. May we seek to abide you. May we be aggressive about it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for these examples, these real illustrations. This isn't just a story we've read. This is what actually took place in this account with these men who were moved by Jesus himself. May we be moved similarly. Oh, God, have your way with us. So, Lord, thank you for our time in your word. Thank you for the truth that we can receive. And Lord, may we not just hear these things, but may we walk in them. That we might pursue you with all due diligence. Just as these disciples did. They wanted more. They desired more. Have your way, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for this time and your word. Thank you for our service we pray all these things in your son's wonderful and awesome name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Well, thank you so much for coming. Have a fantastic week.